Today, we're starting a new series where I shaved my beard. It's a fresh new look. And it is probably, I think it's going to be the shortest series that we've ever done in our church's history. So we just ended with our longest. This is probably going to be our shortest. So this is three weeks. And uh, we are, we're talking about marriage, talking about the one flesh idea. And I didn't promote it. I didn't sell it hard. I didn't, you know, say, hey, come to our marriage series because I know that a lot of you are single. And usually when we frame a marriage series, the single people don't show up. And I understand why. I totally get it. But I want you to engage because this message, it applies to everybody across the board, and these principles will definitely apply. So if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to read the one flesh verse out of Mark, Mark chapter 10. Verse 1, again, crowds of people came to him, Jesus, as was his custom, and he taught them. Some Pharisees came and they tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. I forgot the other part. It goes both ways, too, by the way, in the Old Testament. So women could offer a certificate of divorce for their husbands. But the Pharisees left that part out. Imagine that. Okay, red letters here. This is important. It was because your hearts, see how Jesus kind of slipped that one in? Not their hearts, but your hearts. It's because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them, male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother, and they will be united and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Great big giant mystery in that. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And when they are all in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. And he answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery against him. This is pretty heavy stuff. This is the red letter stuff. This is what Jesus is talking about. And honestly, I did not want to do this series. Like we were supposed to actually do this, I think it was three months ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so I'm going to push it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about this. Because it's difficult and it's painful. And I know that most of us, most of us have experienced divorce in our families at some level or our friends, so we know, we know about it. And here's the thing, this is family chat time. Here's the thing that's alarming to me, and it's not just our church. This is what's alarming to me. In the past six months, I have ministered to people in this church 
whose marriages are Christian marriages are in full-blown crisis on the verge of divorce. Eleven couples in this church. Those are the ones that I know about. What do you think? (laughs) Do you think we should pay attention to this? And it's just, it's not our church. If you're new, you're like, oh my gosh, these people are jacked up. They're all, you know, we're all messed up. And it is, not only is it alarming, it is, it is an affront, it is an attack against the church, the body of Christ. The enemy of God, his number one strategy is to destroy the family. If he can destroy the family, if he can infiltrate into the house, either through our emotions and our baggage and our makeup and, and even into our media and our TVs and, and, and through the culture. Oh, I should talk about that. If he does these things, he wins this battle of the church. So it's not fought as we would think that it would be fought. The, the, the enemy of God is very subversive. All right, I got a, I got a rabbit trail real quick because I forgot to talk about something. I was unplugged all day yesterday so I had no media, no TV, no nothing yesterday, not because I'm super holy or anything, just because I was busy. And so I didn't know what was going on in our nation. Uh, so obviously, I woke up to a big mess this morning. I, I haven't, I need to lean into it. Uh, hopefully, you know where we stand on these issues as a church. Uh, to quote Indiana Jones, I hate Nazis. So we'll just leave it at that. I don't think my initial reaction, my I, I don't think we're going to do a prayer vigil for this. I think we ought to ignore it. That's my, I'll lean into it. I'll let you know. If you want to, we'll pray about it tonight at 6 o'clock if you want to join us for our presence night. Uh, We'll be going over prophecy and um, the difference between biblical prophecy and prophetic ministry. We'll be talking about that tonight. And so we might be praying for the nation. We'll pray for the nation anyway. But I don't want to give the enemy of God more attention than he, he wants to get. That's what the enemy of God likes to do is get attention. So anyway, sorry. Okay. So, the enemy of God not only wants to infiltrate us on multiple different levels, his number one strategy is the family, and it is the marriage. Because the marriage, the, the one flesh concept, the bride and the groom coming together is God's most pointed illustration for us and our relationship to him. Because the church is the bride of Christ. And so your very relationships personally is like a living illustration with our, how we connect with God. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, um, I want to encourage everybody that is married or is in relationships to take, the, take what I'm going to say at heart. Because, yeah, it's tough. Christian divorce is at the same rate as secular divorce. That, that is interesting to me. And I just told you our statistic within our own number. And I am not immune to crisis. So Mako and I have been in crisis. And what we do is we choose to get help. All right? 
And we do it on a lot of different levels. We do it by in our church family as best we can. We go outside the church family. Um, I have other pastor friends that speak into my life that I can trust, that I can tell them everything that's going on in our own personal lives. And they pray for us, they minister to us, they hold us accountable. Um, this Pastor Jody Moore is one of them. He's the African-American that spoke here a couple weeks ago, on, a couple months ago on the Book of Romans. So he's one of them. He's one of my, he holds me accountable on this. I hold him accountable. He's in worse shape than I am. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's a, yeah, anyway. So I, I am being transparent, and I want you to know, we go to counseling. And if you're, if you're, if you're too proud to go to counseling, um, there's an issue there. We'll flesh that out at the, end of the, at the end of the service. But we do. We went to counseling this month. We went to counseling last week. It's because I know that Mako and I have a huge target on us. And if we are not diligent in paying attention to the details, if, and I'm, I'm notorious for this, if I stick my head in the sand and if I ignore the tension that is going on in the house, then that is just going to amplify and amplify and amplify, and then it's going to, you know, I'm going to be 80 years old and figure out what happened with my life. So pay attention now. Some of you, while you're young, some of you, while you're in middle age, some, pay attention now to these little details. Now, what I have learned in going to counseling, it, although it is biblical counseling that, I've, that we do, um, it is, we, we see a licensed therapist, full-blown marriage licensed therapist. She's got a degree in everything. And she has taught us some very specific things. And what, has, what I have learned is like, oh, I didn't want to hear about that. Because it, it, the problem's Mako. It's not me, <laughs> right? Mako is the problem. So I'm going to drag her to counseling to get her straightened out. So, okay, so here's what we've learned so far. And this is the practical stuff. And what I'm going to tell you right now, there's four points. What I'm going to tell you right now, it is not pop Christian counseling ideas that, that some you know, pastor has, has come up with. This is clinical stuff that I've learned, and it is biblical, but... A secular psychologist has been working on this for years. So if you are a right-brained person who says, just show me the facts, right? How many people are like that? Just show me the facts. I just need to know the numbers. I need to know the data. Don't give me the touchy-feely stuff, right? Okay. Here are the facts. Um, the, the individual that did, a, he's done a lifelong study over 40 years of, of, of pooling data on marriages, ones that are successful and those that fail. And over the years, they have been able to determine, his name is John Gottman, I wanna encourage you to look him up, Google him, whatever you wanna do. But John Gottman, he spent over 40 years uh, just collecting data on successful marriages and marriages that fail. And through his research, they can't, this is not, again, this is not Christian counseling stuff. This is science. Through their research, they can predict divorce with 90% accuracy. And there's four indications that will lead to divorce. 
And even in that 90% accuracy, they can actually predict with 85% accuracy when they will divorce. And they will divorce with either in five years, uh, if they are emotionally distant and have problems, they'll actually drag it out to 16 years. And the data is rock solid. So what are they? Now, ironically, John Gottman calls these four things that will destroy your marriage, regardless of you are a Christian or a secular person. These four things, ironically, he calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And if you were here last week, you learned about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, plague, disease, war, famine. Well, here are the four horsemen of the apocalypse of your relationship if you do not pay attention to them. See, when John sees these scrolls and he, he, he cracks them open one by one, the first four are the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? And they usher in all of this destruction. Well, these bulls begin to pour out because of these four horsemen. They lead the way for destruction. Now, these four psychological principles will lead the way to the destruction of your marriage if you do not pay attention to them. And they are not the things that you would think. Normally, we would think that the things that will lead to a failure in marriage are finances, right? Or infidelity or lust. That's not true either. Or this is a good one that we hear a lot about. Unfulfilled expectations, right? That's why the marriage isn't working out, because I have unfulfilled expectations. I told Mako that after we got married, I was going to grow another foot. That didn't happen. See? So her expectation of the tall, dark, handsome guy didn't come to fruition. And... All right. So here they are. Again, they're not the things that we would normally think would destroy a marriage. Did you know that you can actually survive infidelity? I don't suggest it. <laughs> like, don't, don't try it out. Yeah, that's actually, you can actually legally, biblically, say, you had an affair, I'm leaving. And biblically, you're okay. I believe that also it applies to abuse. I believe that abuse, physical abuse, maybe possibly emotional abuse, is the same as adultery. All right. Might be controversial. Here they are. Number one, write this down. Here's your notes. For those of you who like to take notes, here's your four-point sermon. Number one is criticism. Not infidelity, just criticism. And here, here's, okay, so this is science we're talking about, right? This is data, hard, hardcore data. But I'm a charismatic, and I can't help myself. We're going to push these four things into the spiritual realm because that's where they came from. They are, they are principalities. They are strongholds. They, they, oh, man, we've got new people here. Here we go. They, they have an, an evil spirit attached to them. There is a hierarchy. There is one big, bad, giant demon that oversees all of the critical spirits. To make matters worse... Since we do live in a spiritual realm, you have assigned to you an evil spirit that wants to destroy your marriage. I don't know how strong they are, but that's the truth. Sorry, new people. 
Remember, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about spiritual warfare later. But here's the good news. You also have angels assigned to you to fight for you. So let's make sure that we don't offend those angel spirits. Okay, so this, there's a critic. So, you know, Gottman calls it criticism versus conflict. It is actually healthy for you to have some level of conflict in your marriage. What they do say is like uh, 68% of arguments and, and disagreements in marriages never get fulfilled. And success, successful marriages, healthy marriages, they learn how to accept it. So you can have disagreements in your home. You don't like the way that, I don't know, you take out the trash or something. And you can say, I don't like the way you take out the trash. And it is, we don't agree on this, and it should be okay. But criticism says, I don't like the way you take out the trash because you're a moron. Right? So the, the main idea on, on, the, on the critical spirit is, is that uh, confrontate, confrontation, disagreements, results in, a, in addressing the behavior. The critical spirit goes after the individual. Does that, do you see the difference? When you drive too fast on the freeway, it makes me nervous. That's the right way to respond. When you drive too fast on the freeway, it disproves that you're a maniac. So, you're, so there's a critical spirit. Absalom who was David's son, if you guys are not familiar with the story, look it up in Kings, Absalom had a critical spirit. And the way that he was able to infiltrate and destroy what God was doing is because he, just, he, he smiled and he was, you know, he was loving and he says, you know what, I have the same concerns that you do. And then he would begin to assassinate and attack character. So that's number one. Just, okay. Do you have a critical spirit? I'm not saying you have to be a yes person. I'm saying when you voice your concerns, do you criticize the individual? It's judgment. Oh, yeah, I forgot to like, start this up before you start elbowing each other in the ribs. Before you this is like a non-judging zone here, Right? So if you're thinking that your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever has a critical spirit, it's probably you. Um, so, because it's a judging spirit. All right, number two is um, offense. The spirit of offense. This is a... We actually took our leadership through this the spirit of defense issue um, a while back, and I want to encourage you to get this book called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. So uh, the spirit of offense, a clinical term, is defensiveness. So defensiveness, or the critical spirit, or the offended spirit will say, um, there's, you know, we all have problems in our relationships, Right? The defensive spirit will say, you threw the first stone, right? The, the defensive spirit will say, we are in this mess because you created the mess. The defensive spirit won't take 
responsibility for their own actions. They'll blame their actions on the other individual. The defensive spirit not only judges, but the defensive spirit points the finger. This is the quote from John Bevere in his book. Offended people, oh man, this is tough. I'm sorry, hang on. All right, I'm not saying this. John Bevere says this. Offended people still may experience miracles, words of utterance, words of knowledge, prophecy, strong preaching, strong teaching, and actual physical healing in their lives. But these are gifts of the Spirit, not the fruit. We will be judged according to our fruit and not our giftings. A gift is given. Fruit is cultivated. Do you see the difference? Yeah. In, uh, in the charismatic Pentecostal circles, they're just as mean, as nasty as all the as, as Baptists and Presbyterians. and They can just pray in tongues. But just because you can pray in tongues does not mean that you have the fruit of the Spirit. This means you have a spiritual gift that God gave you and that you didn't earn it. And so when we, we, when we begin to say, oh, I am more spiritual than my spouse, and their actions offend me, well, then you begin to just to cultivate this, this spirit of offense deep down inside. Let's see, I gotta, here we go. This is Ephesians 4, chapter 31. A pure heart is like pure gold, soft, tender, pliable. Hebrews 3.13 states that the, heart are, the hearts are hardened through deceitfulness of sin. Right? If we do not deal with an offense, it will produce more fruit of sin, such as bitterness, anger, and resentment. This added substance hardens our hearts just as alloys harden gold. This re- reduces our, or removes tenderness, creating a loss of sensitivity. We are hindered in our ability to hear God's voice. Should I say that one again? One of the things that I hear often in ministry is I just, people complain or whine or whatever, and they say, I just can't hear God's voice like I used to. I used to be so in tune spiritually where I could hear God and I could see God and I could sense God, but now I'm just, just not doing it so much anymore. Well, here's the reason why. It's because over the years, because of the offended spirit, bitterness and anger and resentment has seeped in and that begins to give us a calloused heart. What did Jesus say about Moses when they asked him about divorce? Okay, hang on. Jesus said, it was because of your hardness of heart that Moses gave you this law. All right, 
What does that mean? That means the law was not God's plan A. God's plan A was an intimate relationship with him. But because the hardness of heart creeped in, God had to initiate covenant relationship, which is not superior. It is inferior to a loving relationship with the Heavenly Father. Does that make sense? And I think a lot of us, we settle for a covenantal relationship with God when he desperately desires a softened heart relationship with him. Some of us just want to know what the rules are. We follow the rules. We have the Bible to tell us what to do to live a good life. We want a covenantal contract life. How many people want a covenantal contract marriage? Right? Did you get a prenup? This is what the, this is what the, the legal document says about our marriage, right? But how many people say, I don't need a piece of paper to tell me that I love my spouse? And that's what God is saying to us. You do not need a covenant to go into intimate relationship with me. That was plan, that was, that, that's plan B. Covenant relationship's plan B. Intimate relationship with me is plan A. All right. Moving on. The next one is tough. Contempt. Contempt. This is probably one of the, the worst two. Contempt. Contempt is composed of a set of behaviors that communicate disgust. It includes, but it is not limited to, sneering, sarcasm, name-calling, eye-rolling, mocking, hostile humor, and condescending attitudes. It is primarily transmitted through nonverbal behavior and it does not move towards reconciliation. And inevitably increases conflict. It is always disrespectful. Research shows that couples that display contempt for one another are more likely to face illness and disease than couples that don't hold contempt towards one another. Isn't this, hard? this is pretty interesting, isn't it? So if, if there is, what does contempt look like in, 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 a, in a relationship? Contempt looks like, um, I cannot stand that person that I'm sleeping with. When you, when you harbor resentment for their character and for the way that they live, the way that they talk, and again, the eye rolling and the sneering and the, the condensa- condensation, that's water. What, what's, what am I trying to say? Condescending attitudes and behaviors. I got to ask you how, you, how do you, how do you treat your spouse? How do you even treat those that are around you? Do you have a condescending spirit? Do you have a spirit of contempt? And then the last one, which is probably just as difficult, is stonewalling. Stonewalling. In relationships where intense arguments break out suddenly and where there is criticism and contempt, they lead to defensiveness, and where there is more contempt leads to more defensiveness, eventually one partner, ready for this, tunes out. Guess which one tunes out? 
80% of men tune out when there's conflict. Okay, so this is the, this is the attitude of stonewalling. It's like you, you, there's an issue, you guys are arguing about it, there's this, all this negative stuff going on, there's this backstabbing, there's this sneering, there's the eye rolling, and you can't find common ground to talk about, there is no respect in the relationship, and eventually somebody is going to stonewall. That means they emotionally disconnect. Hand me the remotes, right? And they won't engage. And they won't seek help, right? I think a lot of us are in this, in this situation. It's like there's a problem. We don't talk about it. We don't deal with it. We ignore it. We are ostriches. We're going to stick our head in the sand. And we do not take action. I'm a free will kind of guy. You have to choose to not stonewall. Make when I chose to go to marriage counseling. Some of us have to choose to have a hard conversation with our spouses, which means, honey, I am not happy with the marriage right now. And without being critical, without being Offended, you need to say, these are the things that, that, that's just rubbing me the wrong way. What can we do to fix this problem? I'm not blaming you. I'm not judging you. I'm not pointing fingers. But we need help. Some of us just need to have these hard conversations. We need help. Stonewalling also manifests in the areas of, you know what? I don't need to go to the counselor because I'm, I know what they're going to say. I don't need to go to the church's marriage retreat because we don't have a problem. We just, we just live life, right? We are roommates. That one's tough, isn't it? Sometimes you're just like a roommate, right? You just share the same house. But stonewalling is, I mean, it, it, eventually it is the way down. And, you know, again, 85, 80%, 85% of stonewallers are men because they just emotionally disconnect. It's just the way that guys are wired. He just doesn't talk to me anymore. All right, how many times have you heard that one? Um, this is how they amplify. This is, uh, this is Thessalonians, I believe. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous and past feeling and recklessness and have abandoned themselves as prey to unbridled sensuality, eager and greedy to indulge in the form of impurity. All right, so what he's saying is in their spiritual apathy, so the stonewalling thing, the thing you just, I just don't care, I'm going to emotionally disconnect. Like this is the spirit of apathy. Um, have you ever just kind of lost that loving feeling, right? right? Over time, you get familiar, you just get used to the individual, and you're just, like, you're just not excited about them anymore. And this, this spirit of apathy begins to seep in. You begin just to stonewall everything that comes around. Yeah, honey, I don't care. Whatever. You, you know, you just, whatever. You just make the decision. Uh, 
Next week, we will be talking about the counters to these things, to these four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? I told you everything that's wrong. Next week, we're going to tell you everything that's right. So every spirit has an opposite spirit, and we're going to be fleshing these things out to give you more hope. And when you go home today, you do not judge, you do not say, all right, let's, you know, you should have listened to Pastor Josh's message, because this is you, right? <laughs> you do all these things, this is all you. Look, I, I want to give you right now impartation of grace. I want you to have grace towards your spouse. I want you to have grace, forgiveness, reconciliation with your ex. I think some of us are being called to forgive past offenses and you will be free from that. Maybe you won't get sick anymore. What the Bible say? Sickness comes from bitterness, anger, and rage. So maybe that's wrong with your body. Bitterness, anger, rage, unforgiveness also leads to the calloused ears and cataracts on your eyes, where, spiritually speaking, where you can't hear God or see God. We are the bride of Christ. Let me get the band come up to the front. We are the bride of Christ. Guys, that's hard for us to kind of, you know, get into our heads because, I don't know, the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing and all that. But just, it's just the way that it is. Just get over it. Um, but we are, the, we are the bride of Christ. And I know that spiritually there is... A lot of us experience this dullness, this apathy, uh, this lack of love and lack of passion for the Lord, right? This is what I believe. I believe our marriages are the barometer to our spiritual lives. Okay, you ready for this? So you don't have to be married to get this one. Do you have a critical spirit towards God? Do you ever question God? God, why did this happen? God, why did you allow this to happen? It hurt me. And you, you begin to like, okay, this was a bad season in my life, and God walked me through it. I don't understand everything. I don't understand why this evil happened. Or are you saying, God, why did you allow this to happen? There must be something wrong with you. Do you have a critical spirit towards God? Do you have a defensive spirit? Do you have an, an offended spirit towards God? Have, being offended towards God is one of the worst things that you could possibly do. Blaming him for other stuff? Oh. Do you hold God in contempt for failure? God, you told me to step out in faith, and I did, and it didn't work out. I believe that this is true in our culture. Like, if you just pay attention to what the media is saying about God, we know that the secular world holds God in contempt. 
They blame God for everything. They blame God for the Crusades. They blame God for racism. They blame God for um, sexual problems and suicide. You name it, we will blame God for it. Our culture has held God in contempt. And even as believers, if we are not careful, that can seep into us. But what about stonewalling? Have we stonewalled God lately? Where that apathetic spirit just gets in there and you're just not crazy about Jesus anymore? Eh, maybe I'll go to church this week. They're teaching on Revelation, end time scary stuff. I like that. I'll show up. Conspiracy theories. Pastor Josh likes conspiracy theories. If I can get entertained, then I'll go. Right? That's stonewalling. That is, is, it's an apathetic spirit. And so I think we just need to see that there is a connection. There's, a, there's an intimate connection. But the way that we do marriage and the way that we do the marriage with God. So here's the homework. Go over these four horsemen of the apocalypse and see if you have any in them before you start pointing fingers at your friends and your family and your coworkers and your spouse and your kids do I have any of these four horsemen that have cultivated inside me? Have I allowed them to come in? Have I entertained the thought? Do I have the Absalom spirit where uh, I'm a character assassinating everybody in my mind? Do I have these imaginations? Do I play them out in my mind where, where the people that I don't like get hurt or they get torn down, right? That's all part of the deal. It's all, it's all this negative stuff that seeps in and hardens our hearts. We know with scientific fact what destroys marriages, but Jesus saves them. We're going to push this thing into the spiritual realm. We are going to hold every thought captive. We are going to make them obedient to Christ, and we're going to destroy the strongholds and the evil principalities that are behind these four things. I want to encourage you to come alongside of us and alongside of me as I continue to make my marriage stronger and healthier. I want to encourage you to do the same. Uh, Aaron and Kathy Gilkey head up our marriage ministry. When does your class start, Kathy? September 6th? Okay, September 6th. Don't stonewall that one, right? Let's not make excuses for it. I know you don't have time. You got time to binge watch Game of Thrones, but you don't have time to... Go to a marriage conference or class or counseling. Don't make excuses. Don't snowball. If I could get you to stand, let's pray. Dear Jesus, we desperately need you in our families, in our relationships, in our marriages. I pray right now that you will strengthen us with the fresh breath of your spirit. I pray that you will breathe life into us. I pray that we will have the ability to empathize with those that have hurt and wounded us. I pray that when difficulties arise, that we will lean into the situation and address it head on. I pray that you just begin to soften our hearts and make them palpable, that you can massage us and get us into a healthy relationship, not only with others, but with you. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and if you want to do that today, just pray this prayer with me in your head. 
Make sure that you come and see me afterwards. Heavenly Father, I, I desperately need you. I'm lost. I'm hurting. I'm tired of doing it within my own will. I want to fall under your will. Forgive me for my sins and be the Lord of my life. 